Hey, everybody, thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message reaches you wherever you are at today in whatever situation you are facing. We pray that the Lord ministers to your life. Hang on till the end, and I want to say a couple more things to you before we're done. Amen. Won't you stand this morning? Are you ready to hear the word of the Lord? James chapter 2. I want to talk to you on our second week of Up Your Ask. Ka, ka, ka. And talk to you about what it means that faith without works is dead. James chapter 2, verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. James is saying, Congratulations, you do a hand clap. Guess what? Even demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your word. Thank you today for us being able to gather as a community of believers to lift you up and magnify you. Because you said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. Father, this is about you. This isn't about us. This is about Jesus. This is about realizing that he came to give us life and life more abundantly. So, Father, as we listen to your words today, I just pray that our heart is quickened, that you strengthen us, guide us, and lead us. Thank you for this time together, and it's in Jesus' name we ask all these things, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, and all God's people together said, amen. Turn around, high five somebody, and say, Jesus loves you, and I'm trying, and you may be seated. A few years ago, I believe about maybe 2019, there was a lady in France who was in her 90s, and she had got to the place she was going to have to move to a nursing home, and so her family decided to bring in an auctioneer to come look through the items in the house to see if they could auction off some of her stuff to help pay for her going into the nursing home. So the auctioneer comes in and they're looking around the house and they notice above the kitchen table was this small, about a, a 10 inch picture. And they ask about that picture. Where did the picture come from? Is it worth anything? Do you know anything about it? And the lady, 90 years old, said, no, I don't, I don't even remember where I got it at. And the family said, well, it's been sitting there for 50 years in that same spot right above the kitchen our whole life, 50 years, it's been sitting there. So the auctioneer said, do you mind 
if I go and just look at it, take it, get it evaluated, see what it is? And the lady said, no. And the family said, that's fine. So they took the picture, and they went, and they, they, got, they got this picture, they took it, and they began to do all kinds of tests to study where it was from and, and who painted it. And come to find out, I'm probably going to pronounce this person's name wrong, but it, it looks like Sumbe is the name. It was an artist named Simbe. And when they found it, they realized it was an original. And they took this painting that had been sitting there for 50 years right above their kitchen table, and they auctioned it off for $26.8 million. The saddest part of the story is, though, this 90-year-old lady only lived two months after they auctioned it off, and she never had the opportunity to enjoy what was right there in front of her for 50 years. Right at her fingertips, and she never knew it. I think that is what prayer is like for many of us in the life of the believer. I believe we don't realize what we have at our fingertips. I don't think we realize what power is available right here and we understand that through prayer and because many times we're scared of prayer, because many times we don't think about what all it means or we don't understand what it means to pray, we think we have to have all these eloquent words and we've got to say all these fancy things and because of that prayer is right there at our fingertips and many times we don't ever go to prayer and understand what it means the psalmist said this David said I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears that word fear there means anxiety and worries how many of us go through life with anxiety and worry how many of us go through life with things up against us and we never cry out to God for help but David said I learned the answer the answer is I sought the Lord I went after him I prayed I spent time with him I talked to God about it I sought the Lord and he heard me. We believe that God is a God who hears and listens and responds. Amen. Are you with me this morning? You're awake this morning. So God hears us. So part of what it means to up our ask, I believe, is this, is learning to pray and believe. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock. And it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be open. Or what man is there among you? If his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, would you give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who who ask him. I believe God is not withholding things from us. Jesus said, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. He's saying that we've got to participate in this, but he says God is not a God that's withholding good things from us. He said, if your kid comes up and says, I want something to eat. My, my boys, I don't know what we're going to do when we're teenagers. We're going to take up some special offerings for our grocery bill or something around here. Because I know at one years old, Boston runs in and goes, knack, knack. He means snack. Snack, and he's grabbing snacks out of the, I mean, he wants to eat. I'm thinking, boy, you just ate a snack five minutes ago. You're already. But you know what? I don't give him a stone. I don't give him a serpent. I'm scared of snakes anyway, so they'd probably grab those before I would. But Jesus said, if you being evil, in other words, you being human that are full of imperfections, are willing to take care of your children, 
How much more does the Heavenly Father give to us when we ask? I think sometimes we say, well, I didn't get the answer to my prayer, but here's the thing. I believe part of prayer is asking God, believing and trusting, and then leaving it there and realizing that if we don't get the answer we want, it's because God understands some things that we don't understand. That there may be a reason you don't get, but it doesn't mean God doesn't answer. Some people assume because you didn't get the answer you wanted that God doesn't answer. And Jesus isn't saying if you ask, you'll get everything you want, okay? This isn't, um, oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz, okay? Janis Joplin, you understand. It's understanding, though, that I still go to the Lord and ask. I go to the Lord and talk to him. Why? Some people say, well, God's sovereign. Why do I have to talk to God about it? He knows everything. I agree he does, but I also believe that God wants our participation in what is going on. And when I step out and ask, when I seek after him, I am saying, God, I want to participate in what you're doing. Amen? Two things about our prayers are important. I think our prayers have to be specific, and I believe in our prayers we need to be more focused. I've noticed in my life there have been times that we've needed things here at the church or my own personal life. And some of you know my story. And um, I, I lost a wife, and I was um, looking to, about three years later, I was looking to get remarried, and I didn't know what that looked like. They don't have pastorsonly.com and those kind of things. So I, I put it out there to investors to see if maybe I could, something we could do, but it didn't work out. Um, but I remember in January of uh, 2018, I believe I've got to make sure I get the dates right, I'll get in trouble, 2018. I remember being in here during our time of prayer and fasting, and I'd come to the place where I knew I was ready to, to date again. I didn't know what that was going to look like, but I specifically began to really focus and say, okay, God, I'm ready. You've got to help me. And I remember in my mind, there's sometimes you pray for things and you think, you know, you pray and you kind of move on. But I knew in that moment I was being very, very specific and I was being focused. And, and in that time I began to pray. And it wasn't April that God brought me Sarah, who is my reward, and God answered that prayer. But I believe it was whenever I was ready, but also when I got specific and I got focused about it, God began to move. Listen, here's what the devil wants to do. If the devil can't get you sinning and running around and doing all these things, he wants to get you distracted. And I believe the problem with our prayer life is this thing right here. I was listening to a podcast just this week about, and a man said, I'm a very disciplined person. But he said, I've noticed since I use this all the time, my attention span has gone way down from where it used to be. This week I was in South Carolina training some leaders. And um, I, had to, I was in Charleston, South Carolina. I had to get a rental car. And so um, I'm in this rental car, and I'm going on Tuesday to visit this big church called Seacoast Church, and we were going to tour it and, and meet with the leadership all day. And so I'm driving by myself, and I'm in a, this rental car, and, I'm, and there's traffic everywhere, and I'm stopped at a stoplight, and my phone was down on the console. I didn't have my phone. I wasn't looking at my phone or anything. I literally glanced down just for a second, and all of a sudden the car beeped. Now, this is not my car. My car, I've got the basic package that came with it okay I mean literally I don't even have I got an SUV and I can't even open the back unless I go back there and physically open it up you can't do it from inside a button nothing I got the basic package that you could get so I'm not used to bells and whistles and all of a sudden this car dings and I look up and there is a message right there on the dash talking to me and it says I didn't realize the car in front of me had gone I mean it's just a split second but the car literally said the lead car in front of you is moving and I thought to myself, I mean, I literally, I wasn't even distracted. I just glanced down for a second, and it did that. And I thought, here's the sad thing about our world. Instead of telling people how to be focused, we're just trying to work with their distractions. 
Let's build this car around people's distractions. And what I'm telling you is this, the enemy wants you distracted. Maybe you're not like me, but if I ever want to remember things, I forget, I pray. Because every time I pray, everything comes flooding back at one time, okay? I'm trying to talk to the Lord, and all of a sudden I remember, oh, I forgot to call that person yesterday. So I get up, sorry, Lord, give me a second. Let me call this person. Okay, Lord, I'm back. I'm hanging out. Let's spend some time. Oh, Lord, I forgot I was supposed to go do that. I literally, in my prayer time, take a notepad. Because if I don't do that, I will begin to just have ADD things go on constantly. And I write down, so that then I have to remind myself, go read the notepad and do those things. What I'm telling you is simply this. The enemy wants you distracted. He wants you running this way and that way. Because the enemy knows if you ever focus in on your prayers, if you ever start getting specific and believing God for some specific things, God is going to move in some amazing ways. And he may not give you what you want because I believe he'll give you better than what you want. I believe he's going to do even more than you can imagine. I believe we put the bar down here and God says, I'll do it up here. But we've got to get specific and we've got to get focused. And we've got to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to spend some time with you and I'm going to get focused and specific about my prayers. Amen? Number two, I believe that upping your ask means praying God for bold things. Believing God for bold things. Praying bold prayers. This is probably the most famous bold prayer in the Bible. This is Joshua chapter 10. Just to set this up for you, Joshua and them are fighting and the children of Israel are fighting and they realize they are defeating the enemy, but the sun's going down. And if the sun goes down, the enemy is going to regroup. And the enemy has more people than they have. They're going to regroup. They're going to come back and possibly defeat them. And so Joshua, in Joshua chapter 10, verse 12, prays this bold prayer. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand still over Gibeon and moon in the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there has been no day like that before it or after it that the Lord heeded the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. Joshua's fighting and he realizes I just need some more time you ever felt like you needed more time if I had a little bit of time I could handle this problem and so Joshua prays a bold prayer sun stand still over Gibeon and moon over the valley of Ajalon and all of a sudden God listens and the sun stands still for almost a full day and the Israelites defeat the Amorites in that moment and I believe what Joshua was showing us is this when you are walking with God there are times you need to pray some bold prayers you need to pray some things that look ridiculous to the natural man you need to pray some things that look crazy to everybody around you but when you step out in faith and you up your ask and you say God give me what looks impossible we serve the kind of God who listens to bold prayers and he begins to move amen this is a story from Helen Rosevere she was a missionary for 20 years um, in Zaire, Africa. <clears throat> and she tells this story about being on the mission field and she was helping a lady give birth one night. She was, she's not really a midwife, but she was having to do that in this moment. And this lady gives birth to, an, to a premature baby, almost an immature baby. Some of y'all, your parents gave birth to those as well. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, some of y'all get that. 
gave birth to a premature baby. And the mother died, left behind this premature baby and a two-year-old that was inconsolable. In that moment, Helen realized the only way this baby is going to survive is if God miraculously does something. They didn't have an incubator. There wasn't a hospital around. The only thing they had was a hot water bottle, and it would have done the trick, except when they filled it up, it, the water spilled out because it was broke. They had nothing. The baby lasted through the night, and they didn't know if the baby would make it through the next day. And so Helen every day went and prayed with these school children in the village around noontime. And she goes and she gathers them together to pray. And she tells them, hey, this is what's going on. This lady last night gave birth and passed away. But there's a baby that, is, uh, that survived and a two-year-old daughter. And we need to pray for them. And one little 10-year-old named Ruth said, I'll pray. And Ruth prayed and she said, God... We need you to hear us and answer us, and we need it now and not tomorrow because that baby won't make it. And the 10-year-old said, we want a hot water bottle for this baby. And, God, while you're doing it, would you throw in a baby doll for this other little girl to let her know that you love her as well? Helen said, I'll be honest, I didn't know whether to say amen. She said, I thought, oh, this is going to devastate this child. I mean, she said, I believe God can do it. But she said, she said there, nobody's going to bring us anything. She said, I've been here four years, and I've never got one package in, from home in the four years that I've been here. They say amen, go about their business. That afternoon, she gets a call, and the call says, there's a vehicle at your house waiting at your house. And when she gets there, the vehicle's gone, but there's a package. She looks, and it's from her home church in the United States. She doesn't even open it. She grabs it and goes to where those village children are at because she said, God, if I'm going to trust you and believe you're going to do it, I'm going to open this with them. I want them to see as well. So she takes it. They open it up together. And on the top were some different things for the kids, but they dug down, and inside was a hot water bottle. And Ruth said, hey, if that's in there, I believe God put a baby doll in there somewhere. And they dug to the bottom, and at the very bottom was a baby doll as well here's the amazing thing about the story the amazing thing is the Sunday school class where Ruth or where Helen came from at her home church had sent that package five months earlier and they said God put it on our heart we didn't know why we thought it was weird to throw a hot water bottle inside of this box I am telling you this I believe that James says we have not because we ask not I believe that God is waiting and I believe God wants to answer and I believe God orchestrates things way before we can even understand or get there but I believe that we are called to participate by praying bold prayers I believe we're called to pray we're called to believe God for the impossible we're called to say God I can't do it but you can and when we begin to operate in boldness when we begin to step up I believe God has already been working in ways we can't see and he can answer prayers in ways we can't even imagine amen and then thirdly I believe though upping your ask means doing something about it here's the here's the key and let me just get to this real quickly James uh, if you know Martin Luther who was the great reformer he hated the book of James he thought the book of James should not be in the Bible in the canon of Scripture because Martin Luther was big on that um, Abraham was justified by faith 
and he, feel, he felt like James talked about works too much and he didn't like it. I don't think that James is contradicting the fact that we're saved by grace through faith. He's not saying we're saved by works. But James' point is this, that how can you say you have faith if you do nothing about it? How can you say, I've got faith? Because his point is this, I can sit there all day long and say, I believe God and not do anything. And you know what his answer is? Guess what? Demons even believe in God. Demons believe God can do things. That doesn't mean just because you have a, gym, a, a mental gymnastic and you say, you know what? Mentally, I believe God can do this. Well, good job. A lot of people believe God can do all kinds of things. Just because you say that doesn't mean anything. He says, he goes on to give examples. How can you say you have faith? and God is working, but you meet somebody and they're hungry and you say, God bless you, hope you have a good day whenever you're not giving them what they need. He said, faith without works is dead. There was an old man in Scotland years ago who used to row people across the river and on the oars of this boat, he, he carved faith in one side and he carved works in the other side. And he would row them out to the middle of the river. And I, as I was reading this, I'm thinking, if I was in the boat, I would say, dude, can you just get me to the other side, please? I don't need a sermon illustration while I'm trying to get to the other side. But he would give them one in the middle of that river. He would say, look at this, here's faith. And he would row with faith only. And that boat would go around in circles. And he would say, here's works. And he would row with works only. And it would go around in circles. But he said, you know what? Whenever I get faith and works going together. And he would begin to get both of those things rowing. And they would begin to go across that river. Because his point is faith by itself just means you believe things and you say things. Works by itself can't do anything. But when you put those two things together and you say, God, I believe, but I'm going to do something. Some of you are believing for a good job. You're believing for God to bring you something. Listen to me. I believe God can throw things in your lap if he wants to but the better news is this go dust off your resume go get ready practice some interviews and you do your part and you believe God for the impossible some of you saying I want to get out of debt well guess what you probably will have to stop spending like you've been spending if you want to get out of debt but you know what when you say God help me get out of debt I believe that whenever we put our not even our one percent but our little bit with God's abundant 99.9 percent guess what it begins to work to Together. And so if you want your marriage to be healed, you begin to find things that you can do to love your spouse and to make a difference. You want your family restored, you begin to work on some things in your own life that God can do to help you. So when the restoration takes place, you are ready to go. I'm telling you this, I believe in God doing the impossible. But I also believe it is our responsibility to do our part and to say, God, I'm going to believe you, but I'm also going to step out in faith and do something about it. Amen? The worship team can join me. I believe this. I believe that works takes your faith to the next level. I believe works takes your faith to the next level. I believe you're saying, God, I believe you, but I'm going to do it. I've said this to you many times, but hear me. Hear, listen to this. Hebrews chapter 11 says over and over and over, by faith, Abraham did something. By faith, Cain or Abel did something. By faith, and it lists all these people of faith, but faith is always a verb. If you see the shirts we got on here, up your ask. When we had uh, our pastor Ethan that was here for years help us design this, I appreciate him still working with us and helping us. And he just did, did it, and I liked it. 
but it said noun right here where it says verb and I don't think it was because he meant that he just was saying this is the definition but I went back and I said can we change one thing can I change the word noun to the word verb because I want people to know upping your ask is not about just saying something I'm, I, I can't even describe a noun I'm not good at English okay please I'm terrible at English so don't ask me to do that person place or thing whatever that is okay but I do know verb equals action. So here's the thing. If you're going to believe God for the impossible, it's not just a person, place, or thing sitting there. It is a verb of me stepping up and saying, God, I trust you so much that I'm going to step out in faith even before I see it. I'm going to believe it's going to happen even before we get there. One of the things, I've told you this story many times, I'll say it very briefly, I tell it everywhere I go because my, my favorite story is about this church, but I'll just say this to you. We started a nursery ministry with zero kids and we sat in there every single week with no babies in our church and people thought we were crazy. Why in the world did you have a nursery ministry and you got zero kids in your church because we believed by faith they were coming. We believed by faith that we were going to have kids at Landmark Church and we averaged about 90 kids this last month. Because I believe even before, you know what, it's not enough to talk about it. You've got to begin to do something. And what I'm saying to you is today is this. Some of you are believing God for the impossible. I'm, I'm believing with you. Next week, we are going to have a powerful time of laying hands on each other, praying for each other. And I believe we're going to see testimonies of breakthrough after breakthrough. Can some of you show up next week and help me have some faith for God to do the impossible? I believe, I'm ready for testimonies to come out of this place of signs and wonders, healings. I'm ready for testimonies to come out of this place even greater than they have already about all that God is going to do. But I'm just here to tell you this. You've got to play, I've got to play my part, and you do as well. We have to play our part because faith without works is dead. But if we will begin to pray bold prayers, if we'll ask God for things and then step out in faith and say, okay, God, I'm going to do this by faith, I believe we'll be surprised at how God shows up and shows out and does things that we can't even imagine because we trusted him and took him at his word. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? Hey, everybody, thank you so much. We are so honored that you chose to join us today for this message. And our prayer is for you and your family that you would be uplifted and encouraged. If today you receive Christ or if you would like to give to the vision of Landmark Church, if you would go to our website, www.landmarkchurchok.com, there's more information there, how you can do all of that. And also, if you have a prayer request, please let us know how we can be praying for you guys. We love you and hope you have a blessed time.